This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Maybe that was a good time of worship there. We're blessed that we have, uh, have people that can lead us into the presence of God. Amen. Who's, who's thankful for the worship team? Sorry, guys, I'm thankful for you. All right. um, Anyway, (laughs) tonight we're on part four of a series called Spiritual Grown Ups. Who's ready to grow up? Amen. I know some of you, you know, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. That's fine. I'm not taking your toys away, but I am saying that it's time for us to grow up spiritually. And we've seen some things over the last few weeks about what it means to mature as a Christian. And so, you know, we can compare it so many times to, to what it's like for somebody to mature and grow up as a natural person. There's some things that are acceptable when you're a little kid that are no longer acceptable when you're an adult. And, you know, it's, you know, the kids do little things. They may make a mess or something. And it's kind of funny when they're one. You know, I got my one year old. He came up today and smacked me with a wooden spoon right across the chops. Boom! Just smacked me. And it hurt, but I was like, it was kind of cute anyway. And so, you know, then later on he headbutted Katie and, and, you know, he's just playing around. But it's not cute when you're 25 and you hit your dad with a wooden spoon. You know, that's, that's the type of stuff you see on cops. Okay? It's not cute anymore when they're 25, but it's kind of funny when they're one. But there's still, there's some things that, you know, somebody's new to the Lord and, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell my, Jesse, I'm going to tell one of your funny stories, okay? Here comes Montenegro. Let's make him feel welcome tonight, guys. Amen. We were just joking about this just the other day. But, uh, Jesse, uh, not being raised in the churchy environment that some of us were raised in, he doesn't know all, you know, he didn't know all the, uh, some of the words that we use around church sometimes. And so he comes up to me one day and he's like, hey, can you give me a hand with the pinochle? I'm like, what? He's like, but no, uh, pastor asked me to move the pinochle and I, and, and, and I need a hand. It's kind of big. And I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? And he's like, the thing he puts his Bible and notes on the pinochle. So that's the pulpit, Jesse, the pulpit. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's cute. Now, if Jesse's been here for 20 years, that's not cute anymore. But, you know, that was early on. And so there's some things that, you know, we grow up, we grow up as as people and as Christians. But tonight is a message that I've been looking forward to preaching for a long, long time. And it's out of James 1.19. But the title tonight is, is that spiritual grown-ups are slow to speak. Yeah. All right. So let's open our Bibles tonight to James chapter 1 and verse 19. And I mean, this is, this is a good, good verse right here. This verse... It perfectly sets itself up for an entire sermon. This is this is one of those great verses. James chapter one. And we're going to look at verse 19. Now, one thing that James wrote about a lot was controlling our mouths. This is, I mean, a big topic to James. And as we've said, James was one of Jesus half brothers. Okay, and so uh, so here we are. James chapter one, verse 19 And he says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Now, that right there, I mean, that's a verse that every single one of us in here, we're probably going to get our toes stepped on tonight because I know a lot of people that they're obeying this verse. 
They just do it in reverse order. They're slow to listen, quick to speak and quick to get angry. They're like, well, I'm doing all that stuff. Yeah, but you're, you're doing it. It's backwards. He says you're supposed to be quick to listen. There's a lot of people, I mean, that they'll listen to you, but it's after they've mauled you to pieces with their vicious words. Oh, did you have something to say? 20 minutes ago. I mean, what's up with that, man? And so we've got to get this together because one mark, I mean, one major mark of a mature Christian is they control their mouths. I mean, you show me someone that just spouts off all the time and says anything that comes to their mind, immature, immature, because immature people, they can't control their mouths. They just run their mouths all the time. And, 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 and James uh, also said this, I believe it's chapter three, he said, somebody that can control their mouth can control themselves in every other way because the mouth is the hardest thing to control in our lives. It says it's one of the smallest parts of your body and it's one of the hardest things to control. I mean, I don't have a lot of trouble controlling my legs. I mean, usually they don't go off and just kick people on their own. I mean, but, but at the same time, our, our mouths are so much smaller, but we just can't seem to control this one thing. We can control our legs and our arms pretty well, most of us, but our mouths, it's like, man, people can't control that. But James said, oh, someone that can control their mouth, they're mature. And the King James says they're perfect. They can control themselves in every other way. And so if we can get this verse down right here, I mean, and of course, no one's ever going to be perfect. We know that much. But if we can focus on James 119, we will grow and mature in the Lord in a massive, massive way. So James chapter one, verse 19. Let's read that one more time before we get going here. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Let's go ahead and pray and we're going to break this down. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much, as we always say, that we've got a great church that we can come and worship you in, that we can study your word, that we can fellowship and build each other up and encourage each other. Lord, I pray tonight that as we open your word, you're going to speak to each person here. Lord, you're going to show us things that we need to change so we can be spiritual grown-ups and we can be everything that you need us to be. We thank you and we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Number one, let's look at this. You got to be quick to listen. Number one, quick to listen. And I would say that listening seems to be a major problem in our society. Amen. Am I the only one that's noticed that? That there's a lot of people, they don't want to listen to anything except their own opinion. And it seems like we're so poised for a debate these days. I mean, people are debating each other over all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, you, anything and everything that can be debated, there is a debate over. And no one's listening to the other guy. They're just saying their points on stuff. And it, it's just massive confusion and turmoil. James also told us that where there's envy and strife, James said, there's confusion and every evil work. We've got some angry people surrounding us. Have you noticed that? I'm like, man, chill out, breathe, dude, calm down, take some of that passion and go cure cancer or something, but just chill out, man. You can bring up any topic these days and people are all on ready for a debate because they're not quick to listen. People are not quick to listen. And I believe that a lot of disagreements would not have to end and hurt feelings if people would actually listen to the other side. 
Have you ever like gotten into an argument with somebody and you're both just, you know, both sides are arguing or whatever. And then in the end, when everybody shuts up, you realize you're both saying the exact same thing. Has that ever happened? Come on, you're married. Don't look at me like that. That's happened. All right. When everybody when everybody finally stops, you're like, oh, wait, you were saying that you wanted to eat at Taco Bell, too. OK, I'm sorry. I thought you said, like, man, listen, if we would all just be quick to listen, we could avoid so many arguments and hurt feelings in this world. But we're not. We're slow to listen. And that is a sign of somebody that's not exactly mature. I read this funny article about President Franklin Roosevelt. He caught on to this. He had this theory that lots of times, even as president of the United States, that people didn't actually listen to what he was saying, even at public events. And so one time he tried a personal experiment. He was at, he was at some fancy dinner or ball or something. And, and there was just a line for people to come and shake hands with the president. And, and so usually people would just come by no matter what he said, they'd be like, Oh, nice to meet you, sir. God bless you, sir. And didn't actually hear what he said. And so one night there's this event and people are coming through shaking hands and people are probably nervous or whatever. Anyway, meeting the president, but to each person, he whispered or he said this to them. I murdered my grandma this morning. I murdered my grandma. And people just kept being like, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Good to meet you. God God bless you, sir. Keep up. I murdered my grandma. And like nobody caught on to what he was saying. He kept saying this to everybody. And finally, the last person was like. Well, she probably had it coming to her. Good job, sir. Keep up the good work. And, and, and he and but he proved the point that even the president of the United States, that people weren't even listening. They were be, they were not being quick to listen to what he was saying. And and here's what I want to say for all of us that, you know, we just we're, we're not listening. We're thinking about the next thing we're going to do or say, if you can't listen to people you can see, how likely is it that you're going to listen to God who you cannot see? I've never seen God yet. I haven't. I mean, I'm in 32 years into this thing. I've never seen him yet. I will someday. But if I can't listen to Paul or, or, or Shannon or, or people that I can, you know, they're talking to me and I'm, I mean, if I can't listen to people that I can see, how likely is it that I'm going to listen to God who I cannot see? You need to practice your listening skills, everybody. If you can't listen to the people around you, you're not going to hear the voice of God. If you, you can't even see him. You're not you're not going to be able to do it. And James said, listen, you got to be quick to listen, because if you can pay attention to the people around you, you're going to be a lot more sensitive to listen to the spirit of God when God's trying to tell you something. And so I think a good point for us to consider is this. Jesus is our example in everything. Jesus himself is a good listener. Jesus himself is a good listener. I mean, you don't have to turn there, but first John 514 says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we can be confident that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, how do you hear somebody? You, You must be listening to them. Jesus, God Almighty, they are listening to us. Psalm 34, 17 tells us that the Lord hears his people when they cry out to him for help. The Lord hears his people. What if God wasn't quick to listen? He'd probably get mad at God pretty quick. Hey, are you listening up there? I mean, we get ticked when people don't listen to us. But are we listening to other people? Are we listening to God? Are we being quick to listen because I know most of us if we think someone's not listening we get we get really mad like hey you're not listening to me well are you listening to God 
when he tries to speak to you. I know people that have been probably searching for direction in their life for years. And I'll bet that God spoke the answer to them 10 years ago, but they weren't listening. They were doing this, running their trap. And God, God, God probably just gave them the answer through a, a sermon or through another person or something. I'll bet God has at times spoke the answer we needed directly into our lives. But we were not listening. We were probably running our traps somehow or, 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 you know, doing this. And listen, we've got to get better at this where we're quick to listen because somebody that doesn't listen to other people, they're frustrated all the time. They're like, well, no one fills me in on it. That's my favorite thing with someone around here. I love this. I love this. So please keep telling me this. When somebody comes up, hey, no one fills me in on things around here. I'm like, bro, that's been in the bulletin for two months. Nacho night. It's coming up September 29th or something like that. Don't come up to me on September 30th. No one told me about nacho night. I love nachos. I want to come to that. I'm out of the loop on everything around here. Don't don't tell me that. It was in the bulletin for a whole month. But people all the time, the, no one told me. Well, you weren't quick to listen because we even put it on a screen. We've been putting it in print. You probably received a handwritten invitation. You probably got a, all this stuff, but you're not listening. Somebody that does not listen, they're not quick to listen. They're very frustrated people and they feel like others are keeping secrets from them and God's not speaking and nobody cares. It's because they're not listening. Matthew chapter seven. Let's go there. Matthew chapter seven. In a few minutes, we're going to go on a barrage of Proverbs. I'm going to hit you with probably 15 or 20 Proverbs in just a minute that you're going to love. Love them. But right now, Matthew chapter seven. Verses 24 through 25. This is a good one for a spiritual grown-up. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. And here's some of that Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. And we're all pretty familiar with this story, I would think. It's a story about the wise man... And the foolish man. But look at this. Verse 24, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. And so he says right there, the first thing is anyone who listens. Everybody say listens. Anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus says, but even better, when those that listen actually obey and follow his teachings, man, they are solid rock. Storms come because storms come to everybody. You keep reading this story. There's another man who builds his house upon sand because he listens and hears Jesus teaching, but he doesn't follow it. And so when we listen and we obey the teachings of Jesus, it says storms will come, but your house is not going to collapse because you're built on a solid rock. I would say listening is one of the first steps to being a major mature Christian when you absolutely listen to the teachings of Jesus. That's the first step to maturity right there. And you listen and then you follow it. Oh, my gosh, you are a solid rock. Things will come against you, absolutely, but it's not going to take you down. We all have storms come against us, but the guy that's been listening to Jesus, he already has the answer. 
He's like, oh, I got a verse for that. Sickness? Yeah, First Peter 2.24 says, by Jesus' stripes I've been healed. But the guy that's never listened to Jesus' teachings, he just wants to, he just wants to bless. I know a lot of people, they want the blessings that Jesus has to offer. They just don't listen and obey the commandments that Jesus gives us and, 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 the, and the teachings that the Bible gives. Like, yeah, man, I want, I, want, I want healing. I want health. I want peace, joy, love. Man, I'd like some of that prosperity and provision. I'd like this, this, and this. Oh, good. Well, the Bible says to do this. I don't know about that, bro. I, I, yeah. Tithe? Are you serious? That's crazy, dude. I, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, that's fine. You, you do it your way. No one's going to make you. But if you want... All of God's blessings, you're going to have to obey all of God's word. You don't, you don't get the blessings without the obedience. And the first thing that Jesus said right there is you've got to listen to my teaching, then follow it, and then you're wise, like the man that builds his house on solid rock. So we've got to be quick to listen. Now, the second thing, here's where it's going to get fun, is you've got to be slow to speak. I love the Lord. He's good and his mercy endures forever. This is a fun point to discuss right here, uh, because a lot of us, we're we're not uh, slow to speak. In fact, that's our first reaction. If some, you know, anything, go, I mean, the first thing anybody says something you don't agree with. Oh, hey, whoa, I don't, I don't agree with that. Calm down, dude. I'm just not, it's not worth World War Three over. Just chill out. Calm it down just a notch, because somebody that is not slow to speak most of the time is an immature Christian. People, I mean, it, it, this, this is this is basic elementary stuff here. I'm not being mean, but this is elementary level stuff. Someone that can control their mouth and the words they speak. Somebody that's slow to speak. Listen, it says they can control themselves in every other way. And so we're getting ready to take a nice tour of the book of Proverbs. Who likes Proverbs? You like them? You may not like some of these ones. Some of these are going to hurt. These are going to be some zingers. They're coming right at you. So let's start off by going to Proverbs chapter 10. While we're going there, just a fun little fact for you. On average, men speak 7,000 words a day. Women use about 20,000 words a day on average. That's just a fun fact for you. Love you, ladies. All right. Proverbs chapter 10. <laughs> We're not singling any group out tonight, so don't go there. Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 19. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Now, this is good stuff right here. Proverbs, and you, you need to write all these down. I'm going to throw a bunch at you. Proverbs 10, 19. It says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Yeah, it says be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Too much talking leads to sin. It's a whole lot easier to not sin with your words if you just keep your mouth shut. You know, I mean, that's for real. It's a whole lot easier to not say something you regret if you practice the art and the ability of keeping silent. Too much words, too much talking leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Here's one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 28. Let's do this. Proverbs 17, verse 28. This is a good one. This is probably, this could be one of my favorites that we're going to share tonight. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. When you're there, say amen. 
It says even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent with their mouth shut. They seem intelligent. Have you ever seen someone like that? I mean, you have, they, they just don't talk very much. So you just assume they're really smart. You know, I mean, I was like that in high school. I didn't say much. So people thought I was smart, but I really wasn't like, oh, man, yeah, he's, well, he's a smart guy. Like, I just didn't say much. So, you know, and, and, and sometimes if you're not smart, a good way to disguise that is to just keep your mouth shut because, you, you know, you open it up and then you say something stupid and everybody knows. But here we are. You know, it says even a fool, if they keep their mouth shut, people with, with their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. But I know a whole lot of smart people. Intelligent people that run their mouth all the time and say stuff and they sound really, really unintelligent. They sound foolish because they're always just whatever comes into their mind. And, and I know a lot of people that are like that. And, and they're like, well, everyone else should just get over it. That's how I am. I say, I say what's on my mind, whether it hurts people's feelings or not. And that immaturity. That's not impressive to me that you don't have a filter. That's very unimpressive to me that you don't have a filter. But I know a lot of people, oh, the people know me. That's just who I am. That's, they know whatever's on my mind. I say it, whether it's going to hurt them or not, whether it's going to shred their, their dignity and, 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 and tear their life. I just say what's on my mind. People know that I'm that guy. You should not be that guy. You should be the person that knows when to keep your trap shut. When you, you, you should be the person that's quick to listen and slow to speak. Because the people that are quick to speak fall into the third category also. They're usually people that are quick to anger. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But it says right here that even fools are thought to be intelligent when they can be quiet because with their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Proverbs 18, verse 2. I hope you're writing these down. Proverbs 18, verse 2. And believe it or not, this list has been narrowed down. There are many more Proverbs that we could add into this. But Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. It says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. You know anybody like that? Okay. According to the Bible, they're a fool. Because fools have no interest in understanding anybody else. They only want to air their own opinions. It says right there, somebody like that, they're a fool. They're not going to listen to anything you have to say. And, and I've come to that determination. There's some people in this world that I'm not going to waste my oxygen on trying to explain my, you know, my point of view or, or my side. They're not going to listen anyway. I'll go talk to somebody else that is going to listen. And you're like, well, that sounds mean. Well, call it what it is. I don't care. But check it out. Some people, they just are not going to listen to what you're saying. They have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Somebody like that is not a very pleasant person to be around. Anybody, you know, someone like that? Are you that guy? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But, but I mean, somebody that only wants to air their own opinions. Listen, nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to hang out with that guy. That's no fun at all. And so don't be that person that only wants to air their own opinions that does have no interest in understanding. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 23. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Here's another good one for you. Proverbs 21, verse 23. It says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Can I get an amen? Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. And I mean, we all know this, that. Our mouths can get us in a whole lot of trouble. 
Because yet again, as James told us, the mouth is one of the smallest parts of the body, but it's one of the, it is the hardest part to tame. Our mouth can get us in so much trouble. James said that it can set a whole forest on fire. And he, and James made this observation. You know, if you know anything about horses, you can control an entire, whatever, a thousand pound, two thousand pound horse, whatever it is, just by putting a little piece of metal in their mouth. If you can control that giant animal's mouth, you can make it go anywhere you want it to go. Isn't that incredible? And if we could get control of our mouths, we could aim our lives in the right direction so many times if we could just get control of this. But a lot of us have put ourselves in the ditch because of our words. And words are so foundational to Christianity. You, you don't even become a Christian without the right words. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And then God gave us this pattern to follow for the rest of our Christianity. You believe something in your heart, then you speak it with your mouth. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says that if you, uh, th- those things that you, well, here it is right up here. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall know those things in his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Same thing. Believe in the heart, say with the mouth. And then Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you got junk on your heart, junk's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to put you into the ditch. If you've got blessings and the word of God on your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to propel you to victory. You're going to say things, well, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loved me. If that's what's on your heart, but if negativity and defeat and depression and doom and gloom and bad things is what's on your heart, that's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to shipwreck your life. James said that we control a giant ship just by a little rudder, just like the horse. You can control it with a little bit. A giant ship is controlled by a little rudder. It it, it steers this thing wherever it's going to go, a little piece. Isn't that incredible? And it's the same way with our lives, our words steer the direction of our lives. If we're using nasty, negative, mean, condescending, doubt-filled words, it's going to shipwreck our lives. And so many people are like, well, where's God? Where's he at right now? He's been trying to speak, but you've been running yours this whole time, and he can't get a word in edgewise. That's not mean. That's the truth. The truth will set us free if we'll listen to it. There's been times God tried to get to me and and I've been too busy complaining to hear what he had to say. We've all been there. We've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, because our words have power. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It says those that love to talk will reap the consequences. That can either be really, really good or that can be really, really bad, depending on the words that you speak. And so let's get this tonight. Mature Christians control their words. They do speak, but they speak words of life. They speak words of victory. They speak 
the word of God and it propels them to victory. They don't say foolish, ignorant, stupid things about, oh, where's God in all this? Oh, God did this and oh, this guy over here and it's these people's fault and it's that guy and, and it's my boss and it's my job and it, blah, 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 blah. Listen, if you're running your mouth like that, your life is going to be spinning in circles forever and you're not going to get anywhere. And then you're going to think it's somebody else's fault. Don't be that way. It's time for us to grow up. And so it says right here, if we can watch our tongue and keep our mouth shut, we will stay out of trouble. Let's look at Proverbs 29, verse 20. We're helping anyone tonight? I hope so. Proverbs 29, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20. It says this, there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. There's more hope for a fool than for somebody who speaks without thinking. You know what this is called? It's called having a filter in the brain. You know, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm real. This is something that it's a serious thing. Somebody that just speaks without thinking, they get themselves in trouble and they say foolish things. One of the hardest things is to be really angry, but to still keep your mouth shut. Am I right? When you're mad, you want to tell everybody about it. You want to rant. You want to go off on somebody and you think that it makes you feel better, but it does damage and it gets you in trouble. And it says right here, there's more hope for a fool than for somebody who, who speaks without thinking. And so this is something that I have practiced in my life. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, Mr. Good and Wonderful, but I have practiced this skill in my life. And we all, amen, we're all going to do this of not speaking without thinking, because I found out it's kind of like a tube of toothpaste. It's real easy to squeeze and get a whole bunch out. But have you ever tried to get that back in there? Once it's out, it's really hard to get it back in that little hole. You're, I mean, it, it just doesn't go back in. It's really hard to take it back once you've already thrown it out there. And our words can do so much damage. And whenever, and I've done this, man, I've just been mad and said things that later on, I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Why did I do that? That was stupid. I mean, at half the time, you didn't even mean it. You know, you were just speaking out of emotion. Emotions will make you say things that you didn't really mean. But if you don't have any control over your mouth, if it's just a free-for-all, then you're just going to spout out whatever is the first thing on your mind. I hate you, too. Really? You're ugly. What? I mean, you know, don't do that. You say stupid things. Later on, you regret it. You try to take it back. But the damage is already done. There's this great preacher named Billy Sunday. He was a revival preacher. And he used to do these tent meetings back in the 1900s. And, and one time this lady that had a temper, she came up. And, and he had given a sermon on anger that night. And she said, I, don't, I'm, I like to vent. I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I, I blow up. It all comes out. And I feel better. And he's like, okay, I see your point. That's exactly what a shotgun does. It blows up and gets it all out. But look at the damage it leaves behind. It sprays a volley of bullets out there, hitting anything and everybody in its path. And so don't, you know, like, oh, I'll just blow up and get it all out. I feel better. Yeah, but you killed 50 innocent bystanders in the meantime. They feel better listening to that trash. 
you, you may feel a lot better getting it off of you, but you just hurt your whole family. You sprayed your kids. You sprayed your wife. Spray, you know, you, you everybody. You hit the dog with something. I mean, you blew up at everybody, and now you, oh, I feel better. Who's ready for tacos? I don't want to eat with you, man. You sound like a fool. What? No, we don't want none of that. But But listen, we've got to get control over this because somebody that speaks, Without thinking is somebody that has a lot of regrets in their life. And it's easy enough to rack up regrets. You don't need to keep making it that, that easy for you. And so definitely one sign of immaturity is somebody that speaks on a topic before knowing the facts. Somebody, you know, they, they, they hear a rumor. Oh, yeah, well, I heard that he, yeah, I, I heard that he said this, and I heard that he's not even, you know, he's not even doing that anymore. I heard that she does this. I heard, my gosh, that's absolute immaturity. You don't know the facts. You don't know the situation. Why would you have the audacity to try to go spreading the news to people if you don't even have the facts about it? You know, we they call it D-Facebook, YouTube, you know, all this stuff. I mean, people just, just, just oh yeah, I, I heard from a very reliable source that he said this. I, do you know for sure? I, would, I don't think I'd go around telling people that. A prime example, we saw this, they don't go into all this, but me and Virginia and others are talking about this, about, you know, Reverend Joel Osteen there in Houston. There's a rumor that he wasn't going to let all the refugees into it, all the people that are out there drowning in the streets because he's eating lobster and filet mignon in his private yacht while, while the people of Houston are perishing. And, and that evil mean, you know, and, and, and all these people are saying nasty things. I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the, the unsaved world. I saw other ordained ministers just trashing this guy to pieces. I'm like, first of all, I know you, and I'm, I doubt that you've sent a dollar down to Houston, but that's a whole other story. I don't know that for facts, so I'm not going to spread it. But at the same time, there's people trashing this guy left front. And then you find out, well, it wouldn't have been a good idea to let people into his church because it was flooded. Why bring the people out of the flood in there just to put them in a flood inside of here? I mean, that wouldn't help anybody at all. That's the blind leading the blind. That, was, that would be stupid. But people, and even this morning I saw someone just trashing this guy, shredding him to pieces. And I'm glad that, yes, that's going to start revival in America. If we could just get everybody to turn on all the other preachers they don't agree with and trash them publicly, the world is going to see this and say, oh, I want to go to church now because you all, yes, yes, I see it now. I I want to go to church. Listen, if you don't know the facts, the best idea is to keep your mouth shut. Now, let's look at Proverbs chapter 18 again. Check this one out. Proverbs 18.30, and here's what, I think we should print this on t-shirts and bumper stickers and sell them across the land. Proverbs 18, verse 13. If I put this on a t-shirt, let me know if you'll buy it. Proverbs 18, verse 13. It says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Dylan, I thought I'd actually get an amen on that one. I really did. I'm going to say that one one more time. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. We'll get there. But listen, if you just spout off, well, I heard just spouting off before listening to the facts, it says not only is it foolish, but but Solomon actually uses the words and says that's shameful. Shame on you. 
for spouting off on and, and, and trashing somebody's reputation. Talking about a man of God. Woo. King David wouldn't even do that to the man that was trying to kill him. Saul hunted David down and made his life a living hell for years. And David finally had the chance to get at him. And David's men, they had him in a cave. You may know this story. They finally find Saul in a cave all by himself. David has a bunch of his own soldiers there. They find him, and David gets up there, and his guys are like, here's your chance. Stab him. Let's end this, this cruel game. And David's like, ugh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. I, I'm, even, if, even if he has tried to kill me, he is the chosen man of God. I, I can't touch a man of God. And David, he cut off a little piece of his robe, as you know, and David went outside of the cave and said, Saul, look how close I got to you. I got this close, but I didn't touch you. Can you leave me alone now, please? But and, and Saul didn't. But at the same time, David had such a fear of God that he said, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to touch the God's chosen one. And how many people and I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor, but how many people in our day and age, they think nothing at all about trashing a pastor, an evangelist, just shredding them, even if you don't agree with them. If I was going to just trash somebody verbally, honestly, I wouldn't do it to a, a man of God, first of all, even if it's someone I don't agree with. If I was going to talk about somebody, which I'm not going to do, but if I was going to spread rumors and say mean things, the, I would say about somebody else before I would say it about a pastor. That's just fact of the matter. David said, no, you don't touch God. No, you don't do his prophets any harm, even if they're not the best people in the world. You leave that alone and don't touch it. And here we are in our day and age. People don't even know the facts. And here they're, oh, yeah, he's a rich, greedy, this, 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 rich and greedy, rich and greedy, rich. Man, stop. Do they also know? And again, I'm not defending this guy tonight, so you take this from where it's worth. The man doesn't even take a salary from his church. The only money he makes is off of investments that he's made and off of the books that he sold. He doesn't even take a salary from his church. And here you are, Mr. Rich and Greedy. Man, you're a fool because you spout off before you even know the facts. And you're going to trash somebody. And I can tell you right now, any, anybody that I've heard say that stuff, I'm not going to listen to them anymore because they're an immature Christian. And according to Scripture, they're shameful and foolish. Can I get an amen? None of you guys are like that, right? Okay, all right. Cletus? No, 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 no. <laughs> all right. I love Cletus. We got a tea sleep. All right. And so we don't spout off before you listen to the facts because we don't want to be shameful and foolish. Let's look at point. Number three. Who's excited? Woo! This is good stuff right here. Mature Christians, they are quick to listen. They're slow to speak. And number three, they are slow to get angry. Now, I realize and I am, I, I recognize the fact that anger for some people is more of a struggle than it is for others. And that, that's just fact. I get that. Some people are born with just a little bit extra in them. You know what I mean? And I get that. I get that. But it doesn't excuse us from obeying Scripture. You can't just blow up with someone and say, well, I, I struggle with anger. God knows. So I hit him. I just, I just hit him and knocked him out. But God knows that's my struggle. That's not okay. That doesn't make it okay. Somebody that's just born with a, you know, a, kind of a, a little bit of greed in their blood. Well, I rob people, but that's kind of my struggle. So I just, I'm greedy. That's, that's who I am. No. You're still accountable to obey the word of God, even if that particular portion of scripture is more of a struggle for you than it is for others. You're still accountable for obeying the word of God. 
And so we're all supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I heard this story, I'm going to read it to you, about this little boy that had a bad temper. His dad gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, he had to go hammer a nail in the backyard fence. The first day, the little boy drove 37 nails into the fence. That's a temper. Then it gradually dwindled down. He discovered it was easier to hold his temper than to drive those nails into the fence. He's like, well, I won't have to drive nails if I can just control myself. Finally, the day came when the little boy didn't lose his temper at all. His, he told his father about it, and his father suggested that the boy now pull out one nail for each day that he was able to hold his temper. And it took a while. The days passed, and the young boy was finally able to tell his father that every last nail was gone. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence. He said, good job, son, but look at the holes in the fence. This fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar just like this one. You can put a knife in a man and draw it out. It won't matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, the wound is still there. Now, thank God we believe in forgiveness and healing and all that stuff. But our words They can wound people and and they can forgive you and all that stuff. But the wound is still there. And just like this little boy, I mean, he was able to go and make things right and pull every nail out. But the scars were still there. And so I like what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, whatever begins in anger ends in shame. Whatever begins in anger ends in shame. It's a really bad idea. To make your decisions based on anger. You know, it's a bad idea to make decisions based on any emotion. Because if you're really happy, oh yeah, I'm happy tonight. I'll I'll buy dinner for everyone. Then you get the bill. Oh dear God, what did I just do? Think that through. Think that through a little bit. But it's a really bad idea to make your decisions based on anger. I'm mad at work. I'm quitting. I quit. They didn't give me the rate. I quit. You may need that job later, dude. You may just want to slow down just a little bit till you have something else secured. Oh, we're moving. We're moving. I hate this state. Everybody, everybody here is rotten. Somebody, I, everybody, everybody here is rotten. We're moving. I mean, people tell me that all the time. I'm moving out of California. Everybody there, the mean, bad, rotten, communist. Like, man, stop. We do have all those things, but stop. Chill out. If you move just because you're angry, you're going to move somewhere else and then they're going to make you mad. Then what are you going to do? You're going to move every time someone makes you mad? I mean, we only have 50 states and I don't want to live anywhere else other than these. Okay, so I mean, just chill out a minute and, and, and don't make decisions based on anger. Because what Benjamin Franklin said is true. Whatever begins in anger ends in shame. And people have embarrassed themselves and shamed themselves many times because they made anger-filled decisions. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 11. Proverbs 29, verse 11. And so a mark of maturity is somebody that can just calm down, gather their thoughts, and then make a decision or speak. But somebody that makes angry decisions... They make irrational decisions and they do really, really regretful things. Proverbs 29, verse 11. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Talking about anger. Fools vent their anger, 
but the wise quietly hold it back. And, and we get it. There's a time and a season to be able to speak what's on your mind and, and go talk to somebody that, you know, there's we're taking this in moderation here. There, there's a time where you need to talk with somebody, but you don't have to be a fool to just vince their anger all the time and blows up. And, and it says the wise person can quietly hold it back. And I've talked to some people and and they're like, you know, I just want you to know this really made me angry. And, really? I couldn't even tell. Well, they were mature and they held it in. They were mature and they held it in, you know, and, and, and it says that oh, the wise person can do this. I think of, of Brother Hagen, you know, we talk about him all the time. But one of the things that people always remarked about him, even though he had great faith and saw miracles. But the thing that people talk the most about is how much he loved and forgave other people. People, I mean, said terrible things about him. And his rule of thumb is say anything you want about me. I'm not even going to take the time to deny it. He said, you could accuse me of killing my own grandma and I wouldn't even stop and deny it. I'm not going to pay attention to that. It's just water under the bridge. I'm not even going to. I mean, that is a hard thing to do. But that's probably the most mature person that I've ever witnessed in my life. Because, hey, love, love, love. First Corinthians 13 eight says that love never fails. And God was able to use him so much because he was slow to anger. He was slow to anger. So fools just vent their anger. The wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 14, 29. Proverbs 14, 29. It says this. People with understanding control their anger. We all get angry. Did you know it's not a sin to be angry? God gave us the ability to get angry. Jesus himself got angry. But people with understanding, they control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. And I'm going to share with you one last story tonight. And, and I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read this one also, but I want you to listen to this. As I mentioned before, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a history fan. And, and I have a lot of respect for Mr. John D. Rockefeller, the richest man in modern human history. His current net worth in 2017 currency would be $340 billion. That's a lot of money, considering the current richest man alive, according to Forbes magazine, is Bill Gates, who's worth $90 billion. $340 billion, $90 billion. John Rockefeller was massively wealthy. He was a tither. He was a Christian. He served in his church, and he made it. And anyway, I could, I'm not going to go into all that. But towards the end of his life, for everybody he saw, he gave every child a, a, a dime, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he died in the 40s. So, you know, a dime. He gave it, every single child he came across, he gave a dime, and he gave the adults, I think it was a nickel or a quarter or something. But he just, everywhere he went, he just wanted to give, give as much of it away as he could. And so he was an extremely rich man, but he was also a man that could control himself. So just, just listen to this. Uh, Standard Oil, which was his company, was one of the biggest companies in the world. And it was led by John Rockefeller. On one occasion, a company executive made a bad decision that cost the firm $2 million. Now, this was the late 1800s and $2 million was a huge sum of money. Edward Bedford, one of the partners in the company, had an appointment to see Rockefeller. They were going to discuss this man's faith. And when he entered Rockefeller's office, he saw his boss bend over a piece of paper, scribbling notes. When Rockefeller finally looked up, he said to Bedford, I suppose you've heard about our loss. I've been thinking it over, Rockefeller said. And before I ask this man into my office to discuss the matter, I've been making some notes. Well, Mr. Bedford looked across the table and saw the page Rockefeller had been scribbling on. 
across the top of the page was written points in favor of Mr. Smith. Below the heading was a long list of Mr. Smith's good qualities, including notes of three occasions where he made decisions that had earned the company many times more than his error had lost. Mr. Bedford later said, I never forgot that lesson. In later years, whenever I was tempted to rip into anyone, I forced myself first to sit down and compile a list of good points, as many good points as I possibly could. And every time, by the time I finished my list, I would see this matter in its true perspective and keep my temper under control. There's no telling how many times this habit has prevented me from committing one of the costliest mistakes any executive can make, losing his temper. Now, the next time you think about just totally throwing someone to the curb and, and uh, no, they're, I'm, they're trash, they're, they did this. What if we compiled a list of the good things that person's done? Well, you know, they're, they're faithful to church. I mean, they're, they're a good example. They, they, they serve. They, they love God. They helped me out when I was in a bad situation. They invited me over to dinner that time. They did this, this, and this. I think I could overlook this one fault. But so many times, somebody's maybe done a thousand things right. They do one thing wrong. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I knew it. No, not them. And we blow up and we let anger control us and we don't control our mouth. What if husbands, wives, parents, grandparents, everybody, what if the next time a family member makes us mad, you stop before you, you know, spray them with your volley of bullets of words and you stop and you say, you know what? She did this today. She cooked a great meal. She 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 did this with the kids. She 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 did this for me. She did this, this and this. I think I can overlook this one thing. Or, you know, the kids tried really hard today and they made improvement in this area. I think I can overlook a sock on the floor. I, you know, all the, and it may sound silly, but somebody that can start to see things in their true light. We're talking about mature people here. We're talking about people that don't blow their whole life up every time they get mad and, 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 and wreak havoc with their words and quit their job and, 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 and this, this, and this. We're talking about people that can control their entire life. If you can control your mouth, you can control everything else in your life, it says. Isn't that incredible? You can control every other part of your body if you can control your mouth. And so, as we're growing up spiritually, none of us will ever fully master this. But what if we paid special attention to James 1.19 and we were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. God will start doing great things in our life. And we're going to live with a whole lot less regrets than if we just spout off every time. Amen? All right, let's go ahead, and we're going to close it right there tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.